lot of talk about a lot of different issues in this campaign season, in this election year, and in the months before we really truly do get down to business in the Wisconsin uh, legislative session for 2019. There haven't been too many discussions, though, about the real nuts and bolts stuff that impact people's lives on a daily basis, and that would be tax reform, taxation in general. And I wanted to pause during you know the dust of all of the politics and move away from the politics and just simply talk about where we stand in this state in terms of taxes, in terms of tax burden, in terms of how we can lift that tax burden off of the average individual, the business owner in this state, small and large. And for that, I wanted to bring into this edition of the MacGyver News Podcast Extra State Representative Dale Coenga, who last session worked on a pretty ambitious tax relief plan, at least a path to uh, a flat tax relief plan. And uh, it's our great pleasure to have uh, the state representative uh, running for state senate, by the way, with us on the uh, podcast today. Good day, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I just, like I said, I, I wanted to pause because I just don't think it's getting the kind of attention, that is to say, tax reform, tax relief ideas, how we really deal with the tax situation at hand in the state of Wisconsin, which for so long has been a high tax, tax burden state. And while we made some strides, I think most would agree there's, there's a good distance to go. Your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, there's a long distance to go, and what I keep saying is uh, we've we've made tremendous progress over the last seven, eight years, and that's not measured by the inputs, it's measured by the outputs, and so we're going to talk taxes here, but if you're going to talk across the spectrum, whether it be education, the state's rainy day fund, or uh, workforce requirements, I mean, really, I mean, by every single metric, Wisconsin is in better shape than we were seven, eight years ago, but... On the tax front, um, it's always a what I call a triage, in the sense that you have um, a lot of different uh, taxes to cut, or in some cases, completely eliminate. So we've eliminated some taxes altogether, like the alternative minimum tax, the state property tax, the soda tax. Um, then there's some taxes that we've lowered a lot. Um, Governor Walker is the most powerful elected official in the state, and so he gets first crack at the budget in Wisconsin, and his priority has been property tax cut, and that's been brilliant it's been great and if eight years ago you were going to say your property taxes on average throughout wisconsin are lower today than they were then people call you a liar and say you're out of touch but the the good news is we've also made some progress on some other fronts uh to a much lesser extent the property taxes would be income taxes um but there's still more work to do there we haven't touched the corporate taxes at all uh, we haven't touched sales taxes um, either. Uh, I'm not saying that we have to, but my priority would be to look at the income taxes um, and, to a lesser extent, the corporate taxes and say, hey, we got to do more on that front because we're still losing out on some economic activity and from keeping some of our seniors here because we still have high income taxes. And we can talk about the details of those, uh, whatever direction we want to go, but just one of them right off the bat is that, you know, the Doyle era created the top new tax bracket. Uh, that was 7.75. Um, as part of one of the things I fought for just to prove that we could lower it and not lose seats, which was the truth. We lowered it from 7.75 to 7.65. 
But uh, I would propose we get rid of all the Doyle tax increases. Uh, Doyle actually put that top bracket in place, and what he saw right after the top bracket was put in place was a reduction in state revenue, a reduction in state revenue. Now, what we've done is we've lowered taxes every single year, and every single year there is more state revenue than the year before. And not only is there more state revenue, the additional state revenue actually is more than CPI. That's the inflation measurement right. most often used. So it's uh, somehow we cut the rates, which is cutting the flow of money that's supposed to go to Madison, but somehow we're still taking in more than inflation um, for the previous year. And that's why we've been able to increase money for education every year since 2011 and also cut taxes every year. That's an interesting point, and let's uh, stay there for a moment. You talk about the Doyle tax increases, the top bracket, and with always, it seems, with the left, it's another issue or it's another portion of the agenda, class warfare. You know, we need to go after the wealthiest citizens. You know, they're not paying their fair share. When absolutely that is not true. In fact, every citizen is being overburdened, wealthy, uh, down to the the lowest middle class citizen. Of course, um, the reality is that we don't have people on the lowest uh, brackets or lowest income range paying taxes. So the burden really is on the middle class and the upper middle class into the, the wealthiest citizens to fund government operations. But we did, I think, learn a pretty valuable lesson. I'll ask you, didn't we learn a valuable lesson from the Doyle tax increases that the more you tax, the less incentive you have from business to get started? And didn't we learn through the tax cuts the other lesson, the incentive that uh, those kinds of tax cuts will spur business, will spur spending, will spur confidence. And it's a lesson, I think, that was affirmed at the national level in late 2006, 2017 with the uh, first major tax reform package in a generation in this country. Yeah, I'm a citizen legislator. I'm a, at a startup company. We're, uh, startup, we're just trying to figure out how we're going to do sales. Salesforce building, and we were talking to CEO, who's an engineer by nature, not a typical business person, and we were talking about, like, well, what kind of incentive do we do for our salespeople um, as we try to recruit salespeople? And, um, you know, we were discussing the merits of different ideas, and he said, well, I think that, you know, we should have, you know, less of a commission as they sell more, because if they're selling more, then, you know, they're going to get more, more money by selling more, so we don't have to pay them as much commission as we did on their earlier units. And, and my retort to that was, well, let's actually do the opposite. Let's pay them a larger commission as they sell more mm-hmm. because then they're going to be just absolutely supercharged to blow by those first 100 units they need to sell and right away get to like the 500,000, 2,000 units because they're going to be making more on those both on volume and on a commission basis, right? That's just how we are motivated. So take those same concepts and look at the Wisconsin Income Tax Code. It is one of the more progressive in the country, which means that um, major uh, bottom third of the state pays pays nothing in income taxes at all. Um, middle class pay more than their their share across their counterparts across the nation, on average, uh, for income taxes. And then the the higher income earners pay more on average than most other states um, on the income tax front. 
you know, but what we're doing there is we're creating the opposite. What I just explained in that, in that sales uh, incentive plan is we're creating more friction. We're creating more downward pressure to be less productive, to create more business activity here by having such a steep increase in that income tax rate when you get towards the top end. And we want to do quite the opposite. Like We want the people that are producing, um, which is which is most people in Wisconsin, producing and, and creating activity, whether that be with your hands, if you're a carpenter or electrician or a garbage man, um, or if you're you know a CEO or CFO and you want to like really bring your investments to the new next level. And we want to make it, we want those people to be more active and have more motivation um, than they already have to really go to the next level um, by creating less friction, less sand in the oil of the gears of commerce, uh, which is exactly what a progressive income tax code does. And so uh, that, that's what my priority will continue to be. Um, I know I have friends like John Mako in the Assembly, uh, assuming I get to make it to the state Senate, um, that will fight on that front. And my fellow uh, CPA, uh, Senator Howard Mark Line and Chris Gapping as well. And uh, it's just going to be, a, I mean, politically, people are always nervous. Like, oh, you can't raise those top ones. I mean, it's, but we've never, we've never lost a seat in Wisconsin um, in the last decade because someone was too aggressive on tax cuts. And I think we need more aggressive. We are talking with uh, State Representative Dale Coenga, a Republican from Brookfield, who is, of course, running for state senate. Uh, in the district that is being vacated by uh, Senator Leah Vukmir, who, of course, is running for U.S. Senate uh, as uh, uh, Republican against uh, Democrat Tammy Baldwin. There's a lot of flux, a lot of movement, uh, politically speaking. So all of this that we're talking about, what you would like to see next in the legislature, is pretty much uh, well, no pretty much about it. It's tied to what happens at the polls in November. But say you move on to uh, the Senate, what do you want to see accomplished tax reform wise coming up in 2019? And I say that with the understanding that you had arguably the most ambitious proposal on tax reform that was accompanied by some other major initiatives in the first part of the last legislative session, and it was a guide path to a flat tax or a path to the flat tax. Now, that that terminology is very familiar around here. Of course, at MacGyver Institute, uh, we have been doing analysis and research work on the uh, impact of a flat tax and what that would mean. Obviously, we are very supportive of a guide path to a flat tax. Uh, are you still supportive of uh, movement to a flat tax for Wisconsin income payers? Well, absolutely, and, and thanks to MacGyver because what you guys put together was very useful in trying to put forth some ideas. And uh, on many different fronts, whether it be Milwaukee schools or transportation or taxes, um, you know, I've been one of the few people in the Capitol that has said we need to have a big, bold proposal, and it can't just be a two-year vision. Uh, visions don't visions don't condense themselves in the 24-month budget cycles or election cycles. We deserve as a state to have leadership that puts us out for a decade-long leadership, and really, that's what you need to do on income taxes. I mean, you're not going to have the economic growth or the uh, expense cutting in a single budget to get to a healthy flat tax. Um, but if you look at it over a decade, and you could have curbs on there saying if there's a recession, you hit the pause button for a little while. 
Um, if you absolutely need to be able to argue, one of the best ways out of recession is to is to lower the taxes. But um, you could have some curbs in there. You could do some things to, to make it palatable, where it's taking the growth. Um, and you're decreasing the cost of tax cuts, um, as they say in Madison, cost that drives me crazy. But by also having it pay for some itself by getting rid of some um, loopholes and special credits and special favors in the tax code. But you could look at a glide path to get to a lower rate. I think it needs to be like 3.9%, um, or at least lower than 4%. The reason for that is that Illinois has a flat tax, and it's uh, it's 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 around that area. I forget what they keep moving it on us. They keep ra- they're actually raising it on us now. Yeah. But the Illinois flat tax is, generally speaking, because um, it's complicated with, with credits and everything else, but generally the Illinois flat tax is lower than what Wisconsin middle-income people pay and definitely the higher-income people. So, um, you know, Illinois has other issues, like a laundry list of issues as far as high sales taxes and very, very high property taxes. And although their flat tax is, is a lower rate, they don't have as many deductions and credits and stuff of that nature. So it is complicated. But generally speaking, I think when people are just looking across states, we got to make sure that Wisconsin has a tax rate that's simple to understand and is lower than Illinois, and you, that's why you'll, you know, I'll definitely be fighting for that in the future. You are correct on two fronts right uh, off the top, and the first one is that Wisconsin, like everywhere else, could use a more simplified uh, tax code, tax system. The other is Illinois has issues, and man, does Illinois <laughs> have issues, and we that that's another show for a different time, but I bring that up. And I I ask you this question. If we do have ambitious reform, if we do have bold tax reform, like a flat tax uh, or movement toward a flat tax, and we're able to set that in motion in the next session of the legislature, what will that mean, do you think? What message will that send to the residents of Illinois as we introduce uh, the state to massive economic growth on the Illinois border with the Foxconn development and the spinoff of those kinds of developments? Well, I would hope that they welcome that as actually good news. I, I, I don't buy into, I don't think that when you're talking about economies, it's a, a Bears versus Packers thing, where it's like, well, I'm a Packers fan, so I wish ill will on the Bears, right? Mm-hmm. Um, really. The more responsible, I know we all do, um, <laughs> and especially you know, my brothers are big Bears fans, and yeah, so we're, yeah. we're on the same page there. Yeah. But you know, um, politically, I think it, it, it takes a little maturity to look at um, Chicago in particular and Illinois in general, and we want to root for good conservative policies there. We want to root for economic growth in Illinois because really, what um, the economy is driven by is really a um, megapolis type of economy and, and, and growth. So the success of Chicago and Illinois is also the success of Wisconsin as, as goods flow back and forth. Um, and vice versa, the success of Wisconsin is good for Illinois. If Illinois continues to raise taxes and continues to not fund their pensions, goes the wrong direction, I, I'm actually more concerned that, that creates um, additional difficulties for Wisconsin, not the other way around. And so um, you know, but also what it should do is whether your intent is to say, oh, we want to beat Illinois or we want to work with Illinois, uh, working with Illinois would be just as much incentive to say, 
we need to lower our taxes because as Illinois' policies continue to go in the wrong way, even under a Republican governor who's fighting for the right policies, but has to deal with a very, very, uh, just quite frankly, uh, corrupt uh, legislature there mm-hmm. under Mike Madigan um, and a, a city council in Cook County that's going the wrong direction, it makes us work all the harder. It's it's like the the person on your, your team that's just not contributing and not and actually like <laughs> keeps keeps uh, throwing the ball away or um, creating those turnovers is we need to work all the harder to make up for that for that loss as a region that's going to lose that that economic powerhouse of uh, what's historically been the Chicago land area um, and Wisconsin needs to hold the ground on what we're doing in agriculture and manufacturing um, and we, we're going to new industries right now but we need to hold that ground build those industries while also creating new industries and uh, keep moving forward as a state so we can help out the whole region there for our country. Well, I think you've done an excellent job of describing the failures of uh, Illinois, politically speaking, uh, governmentally speaking, and simultaneously the Chicago Bears. Uh, so you get extra points for that. You're, you're absolutely right, though. It, it is a di- dynamism that goes on. If Chicago is doing well, that spreads out to the region. It spreads out to Wisconsin. Uh, you know, there are different ways of benefiting. Wisconsin needs to first in the parlance of uh, baseball, if you will, and this uh, playoff-bound season uh, would appear for the Brewers and the Cubs. Those uh, Wisconsin needs to take care of its, its, its own business first, and that involves tax reform, regulation reform, all the things that we have seen over the last seven and a half plus years. Uh, you spoke of John Mako and uh, the representative who is uh, leading a committee um, engaged in ideas and coming up with ideas for real tax reform. Uh, as a CPA and as someone who has uh, been very much involved in this issue, what are you hearing at the Capitol these days in the the off-season, the pre-season, if you will, up, up until the legislative session. What are you hearing about what that committee is accomplishing and some of the ideas, and are they taking that idea, that very ambitious idea that you have on a path to a flat tax into consideration? Well, I'm, I'm hearing fairly good things, but then uh, you're also hearing groups that take those opportunities to say, oh, we need this little special thing, we need this little thing, and you can't touch that because of that. I mean, I, I think at a certain point we all understand, not all of us, but a lot of us understand, especially in the building, what tax reform looks like and why it's necessary. Um, conservatives understand it who listen to and read your program and listen to talk radio. Um, I think you kind of get to the point where it's like, okay, got the concepts. Now, the difficult part is actually doing the work, is showing me the bill that shows what credits you're going to get rid of, what taxes you're going to raise, if any, and then where are you going to lower taxes? Like, what's the shift? Because at a philosophical level, tax reform is really easy. You sit and say, oh, we're going to you know, get rid of tax deductions and credits, and we're going to lower the overall rates, and we're going to do this. But then the distribution table comes out, and like, oh, there's class warfare accusations, and then, oh, you're getting rid of this little special deduction for them over there. I mean, the best example of, I'll give you quick, two quick examples of how this rolls out is, you know, I proposed that one of my tax reforms to get rid of the tax deduction for ATV pass. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, why is ATV pass revenue from the state 
uh, not counting on your taxes, but if you're going to have um, farm income or rental income, like why is ATV different than anything else? Right. Uh, or, or renting your place out for a, a, a not-for-profit, whatever it is. And, uh, oh, you can't touch that. It's a big thing in my district, blah, 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 ATVs. We support ATVs. Well, come to find out after we just okay, whatever, just keep that deduction there, that you know how many people actually claim that deduction in the whole state of Wisconsin? Not many. Zero. Nobody. <laughs> I didn't think it was a high <laughs> so, number, but I didn't think well, it was that what actually, low. What actually people thought was actually like, oh, this is, you can't do that in my district. People have, like, no one actually either knew about it or claimed yeah. it. It was not even, it was just not even on the radar. <laughs> so, would have cleaned up the code. Not a single person took it, but, like, politicians sit there being like, well, let me war game this. Yeah, this, there's ATVs, there's pass. Like, oh, people are going to be so mad. Nobody even taken it. The other example of that is um, Wisconsin has this thing called the Working Families Credit, okay? Well, according to uh, the state's fiscal bureau and the Department of Revenue, if you were going to answer that question just by the numbers, less than 0.5% of our state is working families. Um, this is a tax credit that was made up for political purposes, a kind of a gotcha moment and a press release, and really no one really qualifies for that, that tax credit. And I won't give you all the reasons why that is. It has to do with the standard deduction, the fact it's a non-refundable credit. But um, it's a silly little credit, but I've been trying to get rid of that tax credit for for a long time. Uh, just saying, like, it's silly. People go down the rabbit hole thinking, oh, I'm a working family. I should get the working family's tax credit, only to find out at the uh, end of that spreadsheet or the calculation um, or all those QuickBook questions that, uh, no, you, you, you don't qualify for it, which is just a waste of time. And actually, uh, um, once again, I'm with the governor 90% of the time, but we are different people that disagree on some matters. And... Uh, he, he actually, we got rid of the Working Families Credit, and he vetoed it back into existence <laughs> in one of his vetoes. Like, we can't get rid of Working Families Credit. I say the Working Families Credit. So, uh, you know, we're, we're on the same, once again, we're on the same page. A lot of tax cuts he's done. We do have different uh, principles on uh, some of the larger base tax reforms as far as cleaning it up a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's just a little funny stories as far as how people in the building get wrapped up on the language and the press releases as opposed to like, yeah, you know, we could really simplify and, re- and make this tax code a lot clearer to understand. Well, it's politics a lot of times, and it's not policy. And uh, when exactly, politics gets exactly. in the way of good policy, then everybody loses. You know that. We all know that. Uh, and that leads us to our final question. There are certain things that I think we can all agree on. Well, at least most of us can agree on, uh, agree on no matter what side of the aisle we may be on, what kind of political philosophy we have, or how we view public policy. And that is, Wisconsin, just like everywhere else, needs to simplify its system. Here's the big one for you, the multi-billion dollar question. Can we ever get to a simplified system of tax collection where our taxpayers are truly looking at a postcard in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a far reach. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I, I don't think that's as complicated as it, as it really should be. The federal government doesn't make that easy on us, mm-hmm. um, and the reason for that is that there are some things that the federal government has taken the liberty to say this has to be um, deducted on your state income taxes. Um, and it's different than the federal, what they call the federal AGI, adjusted gross income. So, um, like, for example, like some pension income is by federal law not taxable by the state, um, but it is taxable at the federal level, so you have to back that out. So I would love to get to, um, 
a postcard which says what is the last line on your first form of your 1040, your federal form, and multiply that by your 3.9% or whatever it is. Um, but there's uh, there's some things, the credits need to go away, some um, other things that need to go away in order to accomplish that. I think that in, in short order, we could probably have at least uh, at least 50% of filers in Wisconsin get to a postcard size return in the next couple of years here. And that will be definitely something I will feverishly work on uh, once we're back in session in January, if I have the honor of representing Brookfield and Wauwatosa and New Berlin and Elm Grove and Milwaukee and Wauwatosa. That would be... And West Dallas, but I didn't say West Dallas already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will tell you this, a simplified postcard-like tax form in the state of Wisconsin would be something to look forward to almost as much as a fully healthy quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. A full that would be, or, or, or refs that just like guys play the game. My goodness. I that can't. would be nice, too. We can make a few illusions. We can make a few illusions for that. I will take a broken quarterback because it's like the gladiator moment every Sunday to watch that happen. But the, the rest that won't let boys be boys and throw guys around is, is uh, what's driving me crazy. Well, I think uh, on another podcast, we can make a few allusions to the, uh, you know, the bad refs and uh, how they're impacting uh, politics and policy and governance and liberties in this country. But that's for another time. I do appreciate we went through some pretty wonky stuff, but you always uh, uh, do an excellent job of uh, making it as clear as possible. Uh, I think that has something to do with your experience in uh, the private sector. Thanks so much for your time. We wish you the best of luck in the future, and we hope to talk to you again real soon here at the MacGyver News Extra podcast. Thanks, Pat. You bet. That's uh, State Representative Dale Koyanga talking about uh, tax reform and particularly his idea about a path to a flat tax, something that we here at MacGyver Institute have been talking about for quite some time. Uh, thank you again for joining us, and thanks to our producer, Chris Rochester. As always, we appreciate you listening to MacGyver News Extra Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kittle. Have a great day.